part of a great house. This is a great church. Any believers? Yeah. So yeah, thank you for having me, Pastor Adam and Anita. I just love being with you guys. So um, let, let's get to the Word of God, because um, I want to share a bit of a journey that, that I've been on with God, and a question, I often ask God questions, and that's where a lot of my thinking kind of is formed, and, and where God gives me um, messages to preach, and well, just a simple journey I've been on. So shall we, I want to take you on that journey. Is that all right? That's awesome. Here we go. Father, I just thank you for this moment, Lord. It's special because it's not brought together by the workings of man, but by your Spirit on purpose. And God, for us to be here today on purpose excites our hearts, knowing that, Lord, we're in the middle of your world, and you are leading us, guiding us into all truth. And we open our hearts today for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, I, I, I lead the, the youth uh, ministry of, of Equippers Church, and um, we call that the revolution. And uh, once a year, it used to be twice a year, but this year, once a year, we, we do a tour through New Zealand called the Revolution Tour. Anybody heard of that? And, and it it's, it's always takes big faith and courage and lots of people and finances. And um, we, reach, we, we stand in front of about 137,000 um, young people in New Zealand over that time, over like a two-week period. And, and our hope is to share the gospel with as many of them as possible so that the seed of God would go into their hearts and they would find Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And so I'm on one of these tours. So we go through high schools, primary schools, intermediates, all through the country. Um, and I'm in one of these schools one day. I'm in the back of the hall and I'm, I'm watching our performers on stage. They're doing their thing. And... And, and then you start sort of looking at the young people in the auditorium, and, and my heart begins to break. And because I, I just start to think, man, I'm reminded that each one of us, so one day, going to stand before God, whether, God, whether we're Christian or unchurched and no relationship. Each one of us is going to stand before God one day and give an account for our lives. And I start to look into the faces of these young people, and I thought, God, they are your children, and they will have to stand in front of you one day and give an account for, for, for the life they lived here on earth. And I pray, God, that, that, that as many of them as possible would come to know you so that they, that day you can, you can invite them into heaven as children of the Most High God, accepted. And then... But I realized that day that the majority would walk out of our meetings, out of the opportunities to receive Christ, and walk away unwilling, unwilling to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, unwilling to, to hear any more about Him. I knew that they're not, not the minority, but the majority opt out of Christianity and a relationship with Jesus Christ. But not only that, I go around New Zealand and I see that the majority of our, our regions and our cities in New Zealand, people are unwilling. People are unwilling to hear the testimony of Jesus, unwilling to come into our church services where the power of God is moving, unwilling to hear the gospel from your life, willing to be your friend, but unwilling for you to be a Christian um, actively around them. You know what I'm talking about? And some of you, maybe you've got friends and family who were once willing but now are in your world and are unwilling. Maybe they've come into church and they've come into your environments in evangelistic crusades and the rest of it, but now they're unwilling. Does anybody know somebody who's unwilling? You see, I've got a couple of people in my world who are unwilling, family members, friends. And so I started to ask God, God, I understand, I can see what you're doing for the willing. Understand church environments like this, revolution tour, and other things around the, the, the nation, storm camps, and all this for the willing. But what's your plan for the unwilling? 
because that's the majority of New Zealand. That's the category my family fits into. That's the, these schools that I go into. Hundreds of thousands of young people, they fit into the unwilling category. And I have to believe, because I know the Word of God. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says that, that it's your plan that none should perish. None should perish. And all should come to eternal life. God, I've seen where you've said to Abraham that all the, it's your desire that all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God, I must believe that you have a plan for the unwilling. I have to. And anybody with me this morning? I have to believe that God has a plan. So I started to ask him, God, would you let me in to what your plan is for the unwilling? God, I'll search through the whole Bible, cover to cover, maps, index. Lord, I'll flick through it all. I'll find it. God, I'll go word for word in between the words. And I'm going to find what your plan is for the unwilling. God, I'll stay up day and night. I will not sleep until I find it, God. And then God came and he gave me the answer in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Come on, somebody. God's good, amen. He knew my attention span is Genesis 1, 1. <laughs> he said, Holy Spirit, let's help him out. Give him 1, 1. All right. And so I want to give you the answer, and I want to take you on a journey towards the full answer. But it starts in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, it was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. One of the things I came, I've come to learn about God as, and first, what I've come to learn about the Word of God is that God shows us His nature and His character, not only how He used to be, but how He will forever be through the Word of God. He is consistent, unchanging, and faithful to ways that work. Amen? And so what I read in the Word of God is how God will forever be. And I see here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, how God responds to darkness. To darkness, He responds with a vision to create beauty there. He creates, He responds with a vision to, to form things, to bring a form, uh, to bring a vision, to bring beauty, to bring restoration. But He starts by saying, let there and amongst the darkness be light. And I believe that's how we will forever be. And I'll show you how he's been consistent to that throughout the Word of God. Is that all right, church? In John chapter 8 and verse 12, we see it again. Jesus speaking. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, humanity had got itself into a bit of a predicament. In fact, it was more than a bit of a predicament. It was a real doozy, baby. I'm telling you, we, we, we were with, uh, living in darkness without form and void. We were following our own ways, our own passions and desires. I mean, that was people back then, not anymore, of course. I mean, we were following our own ways, our own passions and desires. We were, we were determined to make life happen for ourselves without God, and therefore we were lost not just our generation, but any generation that came from us was, was being born into slavery. It was darkness, the whole earth. We had no way to create beauty amongst ourselves, bring ourselves into restoration and salvation. But God, remember how God responds to darkness, a formlessness and a void. He says, let there be light. 
And so we see Jesus responding with God's response to darkness again. He says, hey, I am the light of the world. And I'm telling you today, God is consistent in how he works in his effective ways. You see, I read in Matthew chapter 5, in fact, turn to, uh, I think it'll come up on the screen. Matthew chapter 5 gives us another incredible insight. And it talks about us in this instance. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. Come on, God's doing it again. He sees that in in and amongst you and your world and where you go and where you minister and where you you live and sleep and where you interact and have family dues, he knows that there's darkness there, there's a formlessness and a void. And he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp to put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, I believe that God does have a plan for the unwilling. I really do. God does have a plan for the unwilling. But it's not the, it's not the same. It doesn't look the same as it does for the willing. It looks different. It's because God sees the environments you live your daily life. And he sees a formlessness, a void, a darkness there. Come on, who can understand what I'm talking about today? And then he says, he responds like he did at creation. He says, I want to form something there. I do see the unwillingness. I do see the darkness. I do see the void. And I do have a vision to create there, to bring restoration there, to fulfill my promises there. And so he says again, into your world, let there be light. Are you with me, Connect Church? He says, let there be light. Let me explain something to you about darkness for a second. I am... I, I, I live in, in a, in a two-story house up in Auckland. I mean, I don't want to be in Auckland. I want to be on the Kapiti Coast. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Sorry, got carried away. It's not very professional. Um, and so, <laughs> so I live in Auckland in this two-story house, and um, that's my domain. That's where the lion roams. You know what I'm talking about. That's my house. Anyway. Two-story house, so I'm getting carried away. It's the spirit of Pastor Adam White on me. <laughs> and, um, and here is my house, and that's right. And so I live there. I've got one wife, two kids. Yeah, one wife, two kids. And, um, and, and we there. That's our, that's our place. That's our pad. And um, every night I do my man duties in that house, all right? Like, like, like let me explain what my man duties are because that doesn't sound too good. And so, <laughs> and so... I, <laughs> wow, oh my gosh, okay, so, <laughs> stop it on the front row, and so, I, I, I take care of my house, and my people in my house, I, I, every night, I, I send them upstairs when I'm locking up the house, I, I send them, kids go to your room, woman go to my room, that's right, I don't say it, I think it, because I'm not getting beat again. I, once was enough. I, yeah, a woman go to my room. and I, Anyway, they're all upstairs in safety. And then I take control of the house. You know what I'm talking about. I, and the, 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 one living room over here where I, where I go lock all the doors and close the windows and shut the blinds, turn off, make sure it's, it's safe, the area's secured. 
Um, my SAS training coming into play there. And I, and I move on to the other side of the house and I, and I make sure it's all locked up, lights off, curtains closed. And then it's at the base of the stairs to the upstairs. There's one last switch. And now this one last switch means that all the other lights are off downstairs. But before I flick it off, I reassure myself, Byron, you're the man of this house. These are the pants and you're wearing them. All right? I remind myself, I reassure myself that that area was secured and locked and there was nobody there. That area was secured and locked and there's nobody there. And this is the last area. And you're going to be all right tonight, Byron. All right? And so I, I assure myself. And then I go to, come on, some of you are tracking because you live this reality. Does any other brothers want to testify? No? Okay. Yeah, I knew Spencer's in there. All right. And so um, I knew it. I knew it. All right. And so I'm at the bottom of the stairs. You know where this is going. And I think, just calmly walk up the stairs after you flick the light switch. It's going to be all right. All right. And so I flick the switch. And a little voice in my head says, run. He's going to kill you. And I'm up there stairs. I, I'm telling you, church, every night I'm up there stairs in behind my wife. I push her a little closer to the door. Come on, somebody. A bit of self-preservation up in here. So I think if anything's going to get us, while they're getting her, I can rescue the kids. And we're, you know I'm talking about? It's about the kids. It's about the kids. Don't judge me. All right? It's about the kids. Don't judge me. All right, all right. Enough laughing at my expense now. Plus, the Anita, please, it's hurtful. And so, um, and so <laughs> I'm telling you, friend, just a moment of darkness, what it can do to your mind. People get funny in dark places. Things get weird. You start thinking in ways that you were never created to think. You start to allow things into your world that are confusing. I mean, for a moment, it's a right to be in darkness because you can remember what it looked like in the light. But what if, what's it like when the environment keeps changing around you and, 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 and you, you forget what it's like, what you look like, what's the, what the world is supposed to be like. You just start to accept the darkness and, and things get funny. My, I, I go crazy in that moment of darkness. But what about people who've been living that way for decades? Come on, can you see why they may be unwilling? But a distrust around those other things they find in the darkness. And, and they don't want your light shining up in their mix. And, and uh, let me explain something, how, how the light is supposed to be in that environment. You see, I've got my phone here on, on stage with me this morning. And it's got a little light on it. It's, it's, it's a nice light. I'm, I'm, I pull it out now. I'm pretty proud of my little light. But you're thinking, Byron, that's... That's just straight crazy, man. I mean, don't, give it, don't get us wrong down here in the coast. That's cute light, little Auckland light of yours. That's cute. But uh, we don't need your light down here. That's crazy. I mean, if you just take a moment to look at all the other stunning lights we have around the place, Brian, I mean, bright lights, white lights, um, cute lights, colorful lights, pink lights, blue lights. Not only that, Brian, these lights are dynamic. They move, they twirl, they shine, they flicker. None of which your little light can do. I mean, your little light's not even impressive. Yawn, put your light away. And so I put my, thanks church, I put my light away. I put my light away and I think, what's the point of putting my light out in a place like this? Not only do I think, what's the point 
and I put my light away, I start to think to myself, now I'm frustrated. What's the point? And so what I do, like any self-respecting man, I start to write to the manufacturer. Dear manufacturer, it's Byron here, uh, and I got a bone to pick with you. I see that you gave me a light, thank you, but I ain't got, nobody got time for that. I go to church, and I shine my light, but there are bigger lights, better lights, not only that, dynamic lights, lights that shine this way and that way, lights that change color. Mine does none of that. What the heck? What a useless light. You know, I'm not bringing it out again. It's in my back pocket. It's not coming out again. And then uh, the manufacturer writes back to me, of course. And the manufacturer writes, dear Mr. Hot Steel, dear Mr. Hot Chocolate, sorry. <laughs> it's my story. Don't judge me. Don't interrupt me. My story. I can be whatever I like, all right? Dear Mr. Hot Steam and Chocolate, um, we're so glad that you chose to write to us. We can see how you might be frustrated pulling your light out in that bright environment amongst all the other lights. But we want to assure you that your light was not created for that environment. That's why it makes so little sense and why you may be frustrated. But we assure you, you're going to go about your daily life and there are going to come environments that are pretty dark. And you're going to find out that you will be the only light, your little light will be the only light in that space. And it'll make ample sense at that moment why we gave you a light. You're going to shine and it's going to be bright and effective where we've sent it. Not only will you be able to lead people out of darkness and into great light, but you might even be able to turn back at them and show them and remind them what it is they look like and what it is they were meant to be. So thank you for writing so that we could remind you about how good looking you are and how purposed your light is. Yours truly, Apple, better than Android. Come on, some. now I'm preaching. Yours truly, Apple Co. or something, I don't know. Come on, I think you're starting to get what I'm getting at here today. Is that your light, God's turned your light on for a reason. And it's not like these other lights that take the platform every week. And it can be really discouraging if you don't look at it from the right perspective. From God's perspective, the one who turned your light on. If you don't see it from his perspective, it makes very little sense. I mean, you'll start to be impressed by the lights that come on in this stage. And you'll think, what's the point? What's the point of me having my light on? But see, friend, this place, this space is purpose to remind you that you have a light. This place is where you recharge your light. This place is where your light, you're reminded of the meaning and, the, and how effective your light can be. And then you take it into spaces and places that are dark. You see, often when, if, if I were to take one of these big bad boys, here into your workplace, or if you took them 
And then you start to, oh man, things are pretty dark in here. Unresponsive people, unwilling, frustrated, keen for me to just keep. And then you took out a bright dynamic light and you just started flashing it everywhere. Come on, people and be like, whoa, 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 we never got time for that. You just keep your little light to yourself, man. That's just offensive. It's rude. Nobody wants it. I mean, it's dynamic, but it's not helpful. But then I, I take out my little light. And here it wasn't impressive or very helpful to many people. But I was reminded that I have a light. And so what I do now, I'm in this dark place. I'm in a family gathering. I'm at work. I'm in a school. And I see, man, God, it feels so dark in here. And so I'm remem- I remind, ah, oh, that's right. And it's, it's just the right brightness and it's just, it's, at the, it's just the right amount of light. It's like the manufacturer, like God knew that this light will be most effective there. And now I'm impressed with my light. But not only me, and people aren't running away and shrinking back further into the darkness. Now they're a little curious. Now they start asking questions. Hey, uh, so you got a light there. You reckon you could shine it over here? And I haven't been able to see in this area of my life for so many years. I was a child when I lost, last saw that environment and, and my life and what I was created to be. Like you can shine it here. Not only that, they start to ask me, Byron, could you, do you reckon you could help me out of this predicament? Do you reckon you could lead me out? And I think, man, that's, that's what this is about. Just follow me. And I find myself leading individuals, people, families, out of darkness into His glorious light. Because I found the purpose of my light. See, friend, I've realized that where I was asking, where I was asking God, what's your plan for the unwilling? His response to me was, Byron, let there be light. You see, I learned from Genesis 1.1, And through the Word of God, before He creates and forms and restores and brings healing and gathers people into Himself, before He does all of that beautiful work that He does, He first puts light there. Come on, in your family right now where it seems dark, in your business, in your workplace, your university, your school, your community, your neighborhood, right now it seems so dark, but He's already done a work. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anybody light a lamp only to put it under a bowl. You see, friend, this place, church on Sunday, becomes our bowl, not by the purpose of God, but by our intention when we allow this place to be the only place that we will shine our light, the only place we will talk about God, the only place we will love others, include them into our world, then this place has become your bowl. And right now you're not living on purpose. But friend, when you realize that you have a light and it's purpose for the world that God has got you in, then you become effective, you become 
fiery, you become purposeful, and you're able to lead people out of darkness. And if there's anybody who wants to lead people out of darkness into His glorious light, then friend, you've got to know that He's turned your light on, on purpose. And it's not just for this place. He does have a plan for the unwilling. His plan is let there be light. Where do you go? Where do you drink coffee? Where do you fellowship? Where do you meet with people? Who comes into your home? Let there be light. Are you with me, church? Friend, I, I, the, the more I've gone and I've practiced this, the more I've seen people drawn into light, curious, ask questions, want to be led. Friend, I know that's what you desire as a church. That's what you desire as a connect group and as a people. Come on, let's turn our lights on in this environment and remember where it's purposed for. Amen? Dark places. Are you with me, church? Well, there's one last thing I've got to do just before I hand back to the team here. And I've got to talk to every person in this place, every heart. And this is not the part where Christians switch off or just wait till this part passes by. Because I'm not asking people in this place if you call yourself a Christian. I'm asking you, how's your relationship with Jesus Christ today? Is it personal, intimate? Are you working through things in your life? Is He the Lord of your life? Do you live by the beat of His drum? Is He in command of your future and your days? I'm asking you, how's your relationship with Jesus Christ today? Does He have your heart? Because this is the truth about why you would need Jesus in your life. The, friend, the truth, the friend, friend, the truth is this, that the Bible says that sin comes into our heart through the ways that we think and act and speak. Sin is not an action or a thought, but sin, the power of sin comes through those things into our lives, and it seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And our life is open to a, a decay around us, a death around us, not just one day, but every day, and a lot, as long as we harbor sin in our heart. And it's my, my heart's desire today, and I know it's on the heart of God for you to come into relationship with Him today, for Him to stop this, this hideous thing and this hideous power called sin in your life. He's made a way for that to be stopped in your life and for you to have freedom and hope. Friend, you're going to hear me. I'm not asking if you call yourself a Christian. I'm saying, do you need to get right with Jesus Christ today? The good news is that He will rush towards you today and take away that power of sin. He'll break it in Jesus' name, and He'll come and bring life into your bones, your body, your future, life, life to the fullest. Friend, I invite you today, I believe that this moment right here, while you've persisted in your sin, I declare that this is the mercy of God appealing to you, even though you've chosen this world over Him. He's appealing to you today to bring you back. He's giving you another shot. And friend, you don't walk out of this place today the same that you came in. If you reject Him today, you've allowed sin to grip your heart at another level. But I'm saying let God take control of your life today. Receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Would you... Would would you um, bow your heads and close your eyes today, friend? With every eye.